boys and brothers This has got a lot to do with it There's some music that's just bigger than music. Their thing was gritty, was raw, and in its creativity, it just has depth. It's like a magic spell. You know, it's like you literally put a spell on me. And you think to yourself, why isn't this band cute? Sounds like something that popular culture would have embraced. And then you find out that that's not the case. You try to understand why it's been suppressed. Why is it not having that freedom that it was intended to have? To me, they were the British black supergroup that never, ever happened. Well, it is with great pleasure we are joined by filmmaker Tim McKenzie Smith. He will be showing the film Getting It Back, the story of Samande at the Calgary Underground Film Festival, which is on taking place from April 21st to May 1st. You can actually see the film uh, live on April 25th, or you can stream it through the festival itself. Tim, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I first want to start with uh, one of my favorite films uh, over the past 25 years was The 25th Hour, directed by Spike Lee. And there's the infamous club night scene with uh, Mary and Jacob. And there's this great music going on, and I didn't have the context of where this music came from. So thank you for telling me who was responsible for uh, this wonderful scene in Spike Lee's movie. If anybody wants to check it out, you can go on to YouTube, just type in Mary and Jacob, the 25th hour. But why don't you let everybody know, you know, just kind of give the tagline or the pitch about the film and uh, let them know uh, about the protagonists and the subject matter. It's about, you know, um, the greatest band you didn't know you knew really this band Samande who not many people know them but you know a lot of people know their music without realizing it and I've been a fan of theirs for 30 years or so and for the first five years I didn't know who they were they were just on a mixtape um, a couple of tunes that were two of my favorite songs on the mixtape it was a funk rare groove soul tape that was going around my college there were two tunes I absolutely loved and I assumed that they were a kind of unknown American band because there was no track listing. And then I found out later that actually this was a band who were British and uh, a friend of mine was a big crate digger and he got he sort of gave me the, the skinny on it. Um, and I went out and bought all their records and, was, and my mind was blown. And ever since then, I've been shouting from the rooftops that people need to go and check these guys out because they're hugely sampled. They're in films like 25th Hour. Spike Lee's actually shown them not just in 25th Hour, but also in Crooklyn. He's a you know, big fan of theirs. And they're just around and in the kind of fabric of a lot of popular culture without really that many people knowing about it. And I wanted to let people know and do what I've been doing really for the last 20 years, which is telling people, man, you've got to listen to this band. They're amazing. But we just decided to do it on a much bigger scale. <laughs> Wonderful. Once again, we're joined by Tim McKenzie Smith. He is showing Getting It Back at the Calgary Underground Film Festival. One of the things I want to start with, with the film itself was, I was impressed with how much footage you had uh, available to use during the film. Where did you access uh, much of the footage of the bands or their families growing up? Uh, it seems like a daunting task to be able to put all that together. Well, it's funny, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors really on this, on this one because there's, there's very little archive of the band playing. Um, they played on four or five TV shows, but 
apart from one of them, it's all lost. So we had a big archive trawl to, to hope that we could find more, but we, we couldn't. So we made a lot out of the one appearance that we did have. And also we had to be kind of clever and creative with how we used archive in setting the scene and creating a, a, a vibe and showing the kind of history that they were living at that point uh, in their lives and careers. So you look at certain certain films like say Summer of Soul, amazing, amazing movie, but this treasure trove of archive that, that they found after 50 years. Unfortunately, we didn't find a treasure trove, so we had to work pretty hard to create the vibe visually that worked with the story at, uh, at that point. One of the things I enjoy about the film is uh, each member seemed willing to sit down and talk to you about kind of their career and their presentation of the band. How does it go about you reaching out to the band? Was it simply just an email? Was it an agent? Where did you begin to actually start this process of reaching out to them? Um, the beginning the beginning was uh, quite interesting, actually, because I had just been doing a documentary on, for the BBC on a, on a boxer called Anthony Joshua who was a former world heavyweight champion. And we used a track by Samande as the opening tune. Um, it was Dove, and it's one of, one of my favorite tunes of all time, a really evocative, atmospheric tune. And we, and it was with my partner, Matt, uh, editor, producer partner, also working on that. And that went out on BBC One, and the band let it be known that they'd seen it and they liked it. And it was it was coinciding with the time where I was reaching a point where I felt I'd kind of done enough of sport documentaries, which had been my wheelhouse up until that point. And once they let it be known via social media that they'd seen it via their manager, I just reached out and said, you know, I've been really interested in you guys for years. Has anyone thought of doing a documentary? And they were like, no, we've never had any, you know, conversations about it. Would you like to meet up? And that was it. I had a meeting with Steve and Patrick, the two kind of main leaders of the band. And it went from there, really. We had a lovely meeting and then said, well, let's just start filming and see where we go. And immediately when we did start filming, I knew that I had to make the film because the first shoot we did was with five of the six original members. And it was wonderful, illuminating. Uh, I learned so much about you know his the history of, of Britain, especially seen through the eyes of, of those that came here looking for a better life. And, were confronted with some the realities that were you know quite stark and and quite full of prejudice unfortunately so i learned a lot more than just about the music and so immediately i realized that there's, there's potential for something really really good here and we just carried on and it just started from there and then here we are five years later and it's finally finished well congratulations on the film once again we're talking with uh, tim mckenzie smith uh, he will be showing Getting It Back at the Calgary Underground Film Festival. Uh, one of the topics you just mentioned was about prejudice. And what I did enjoy about the film was how you kind of weaved many thematic topics, such as racism, the idea of uh, coming to a new country. I mean, and then, and then suddenly you flip on a dime and we're in New York City and we're talking about the influence it had on hip hop. I mean, was there one particular prevalent theme that you wanted to talk about? Or was it kind of like when you started this project, you knew you had all these ideas that you wanted to just kind of present at the same time? When we started the project, I didn't know a lot of what I came to find out about the, you know, the horrible treatment of, of um, people who came from the Caribbean uh, looking for a better life. You know, I, did, I didn't know that much about it. And I didn't realize that that was quite an important part of the story of why this band who made this amazing music 
fell by the wayside in this country. So for me to start with, it was purely about the music story, which was something that I was excited to tell because, you know, a band that do three albums, then go away for 40 years and then make a comeback. It's just immediately interesting to me. And especially given the fact that I'm a big fan of theirs anyway. So it was a real learning process. I found out a huge amount about various subjects and you're informed by the story that you find in a project like this. You can't really go into it with too many preconceived ideas about how it's going to go. You've just got to be open to see where the story takes you really. And that's what we did. And the whole film, it's infused with a tone that really comes from the guys, you know, because they're such incredible people, brilliant characters, very warm, very wise. And, you know, I felt like I learned a lot from them, to be honest, during the process. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I think you just said, too, they, they came across as very warm and inviting. Is there one particular band member that you kind of feel feel akin to now and almost have a personal relationship with so that when people are checking out the documentary, uh, they kind of have a reference for point of view and kind of like, oh yeah, I see what Tim was talking about. Yes. Firstly, I'd say all of them because they're in different ways. I was drawn to them as characters, but I have to say specifically one band member who really had an impact on me and that was Pablo, the, the little percussionist who's sadly, sadly no longer with us. As soon as I met Pablo, I, I just saw some some magic in him it's almost like he didn't walk he glided and he didn't when he didn't move unless he had to move but he had this twinkle in his eyes and was just the most beautiful warm presence and every time i saw him i smiled and he he was you know quite unwell and during a fair amount of this process but he was the biggest fan of this band and he just wanted to get on stage and get that opportunity that he felt that they'd been denied um, and as someone who felt that the music was brilliant and as i say he was he was the biggest fan of the band around that he got to have that opportunity to have it again is a really important thing and the fact that we got to share that with him in his final years is very meaningful to me. One thing I also want to talk about too is there was a bit of um, addressing Spotify. Was that a bigger chunk of the film or was it just kind of a side note? You know, obviously Spotify is one of the big conglomerate streaming uh, giants. How does the band feel about its relationship with kind of today's current music distribution systems? Well, the band are very positive about all of the kind of developments that have happened in over the period of time from when they split up in 1975 because ultimately these became platforms for people to hear their music that wouldn't necessarily have heard it you know in the 90s and even you know 10 15 years ago to find this music you had to really really try and find it but now via youtube spotify all these other platforms you can find it and you can hear it and you can share it and you can tell people and they can hear it. You can put a playlist together, you can share that. And it means that ultimately what, what is important to the band, it's not a financial thing, it's about being heard and it's about their legacy and about people understanding that this music is worthwhile and important. And so these platforms, obviously there are issues with these platforms when it comes to the amount of royalties that artists get absolutely no doubt about it but that's kind of for a different story here it's more about what these 
new platforms all represent in terms of getting the band's music out there and having more people hear it. So we're talking to Tim McKenzie Smith. He is showing the film Getting It Back at the Calgary Underground Film Festival, which will be playing on April 25th. And you can actually stream it through the website as well. You talked a bit about the legacy of the group. Where would you say ultimately they feel their legacy is, is just that they were a, a group that put out their love and appreciation for music to the world? Or um, do they think that their legacy stands somewhere else as well, kind of more of on a political spectrum? Well, it's funny actually, that they, they kind of fought hate with love in a weird way. You know, they were about peace. You know, the dove is their emblem, their symbol. And they were political and they wanted to talk about the world, but they weren't revolutionary firebrands, you know. They wanted to let it be known that there were huge issues that needed addressing, but they weren't angry about it. They just wanted to change. And, and you look at, say, um, Patrick and Steve, two of the, um, the, the, the two leaders of the band, they became lawyers after they split up in 75 because they wanted to carry on helping their community, but in a different way. So they were representing black British people who were being subjugated and repressed and, and all these things through various policies of the government at the time. And that's how they wanted to help. The first they wanted to help bring light to these issues through the music, but then they wanted to help by doing something tangible in a different way. And so that's always been in the DNA of their music and it always will be. But I think now, really what they want is the world to hear them and that's what we're about too that's what this film is here for is just to say you've got to check these guys out the music's amazing the characters are great and it's about more than just music it's about the power of music that to transcend the barriers that that man puts up because you know this music was not given a chance in the in the uk they were not given a chance. They were barely ever on television, barely ever on the radio, even when they'd just come back from the States where they'd been playing massive gigs with the likes of Al Green, playing the Apollo, getting in the top 20. Every time they'd come back home, they couldn't get a gig, which is why they got despondent and decided to break up. But the music carried on. The music carried on, had its own journey, and eventually the journey that the music went on and the finding and the sharing of all these different generations and all these, these different new ways ultimately was the catalyst for them coming back and getting that second chance. On a pop culture note, I'd like to note to all the um, hip hop heads out there, there are some great interviews. You were able had to have access to Master Ace, uh, De La Soul, Mark Ronson made an appearance in the film. So excellent to see all these quality musicians you know obviously sharing their stories i like to end off um, every interview with the filmmaker and kind of talk about some of their influential films that they've seen in their lives or uh, filmmaking techniques that they've taken from other filmmakers was there any one or two films that were direct uh, influences on this film uh, that you made well when you make a film like this, you have to commit to the material and the story that you're telling. So I wouldn't say in this case, there was anything that was directly influencing the way we were telling the story, but there are certain touchstones in the genre that, that obviously spoke to me as a fan of the genre and a fan of music documentaries, obviously searching for Sugar Man, a huge, huge movie. And we were lucky enough to have the executive producer of that, John Batsek, join us on this project which was which was wonderful um 
And, uh, you know, one of my favorite, favorite documentaries of the last 20 years is um, uh, Standing in the Shadows of Motown. I absolutely love that film. You know, again, about musicians who they had a part in some of the greatest music ever made, but no one knew it. And some of the, the, these, these guys played on every single amazing Motown tune you could ever imagine. And it was a wonderful tale of, of giving these guys their props. So, you know, the, I'm a big fan of that, this, this type of film myself. But in terms of the way we made it, I wouldn't say that there was one, one film that influenced it. What influenced it was the people in it, their stories and their music, ultimately. Wonderful. Once again, we're joined by Tim McKenzie Smith. His film, Getting It Back, the story of... Samande is playing at the Calgary Underground Film Festival on April 25th, and you can stream it through the website as well. I strongly recommend everybody take the time to watch this film. If they are not able to catch it through the Calgary Underground Film Festivals, is there any other avenues in the upcoming few months that they will be able to watch the film or recommend it to their friends and family? Yes, um, in Canada, we'll, we'll definitely be playing in Montreal in September. The band are going to be playing Pop Montreal in September and the film will be playing there too. The, the release of the film, we're still in discussions with a number of interested parties to kind of lock down distribution, but I'm aiming and hoping that we'll have worldwide release sometime in late, later this year, later this year, sometime around the autumn. Wonderful. Once again, check out the film, Getting It Back at the Calgary Underground Film Festival. Tim, thank you for your time today. Pleasure.